time to check in with the folks at DraftExpress.com. They do an outstanding job. I mean, like as good as you can get uh, on the NBA draft. And joining us now, Jonathan Gavoni. Jonathan, how are you, pal? Doing great, Peter. How are you? Pretty good. You know, that's a fair assessment, isn't it? That seems to be the universal thought about this draft, that this is not a draft that includes Kyrie Irving or LeBron James or anybody of that ilk, that the guys at the top, while good, all have question marks. Well, it kind of reminds me of Kyrie Irving's draft, 2011. Mm-hmm. If you recall at the time, there were a lot of question marks about whether he was good enough to right. be the number one pick. After playing just 11 games in college, he was injured. He didn't do any workouts. Uh, so people were really wondering um, how good is this guy, and he ended up surprising a lot of people. Uh, the 2011 draft was supposed to be very weak, and then we saw – now we see Clay Thompson coming out of it, mm-hmm. Kenneth Fareed. The guys drafted later on that ended up being really good, Jimmy Butler at 30. Uh, so I think that this is going to be a similar draft to that. Not top-heavy, but a lot of solid players drafted outside of the top five. Is there an assumption here that Noel is the guy by default in a way that you know neither McLemore, no Porter, nor Oladipo or anybody else can sort of overtake him, that even though he's coming off a major knee injury, he sort of gets it because no one else can knock him off that spot? Yeah, that hasn't been decided definitively, mm-hmm. uh, similar to 2011, where the Cleveland didn't really say they were drafting right. Kyrie until they actually did it. But I think that uh, that's the way it's, it's headed, uh, just because it's, it's so hard to acquire a 6'11", 7-foot, super athletic big man who can protect the rim and, 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 and plays at 110%. And we're seeing in today's NBA that that's really, really valuable with a guy like Joe Kim Noah, uh, like an Omer Ashik, uh, like an Anderson Verizhao. These guys are really, really valuable in today's NBA, even though you would hope to get something a little bit better at number one, but that just isn't out there this year, unfortunately. Right, it's just one of those years where, you know, there's no automatic. There's no guy that you look at. I mean, look, there are very few guys that are in that category of LeBron James who are automatic, that you look at them and you say, well, this guy's going to be a superstar. They just don't come up that often. Remember, Kobe Bryant wasn't selected first, and he was selected by Charlotte uh, and then traded for Vladi Divac. So, you know, it's really rare where you look at a guy who is a definitive number one, don't you? Absolutely, uh, and I think that this draft is gonna has a lot of young, unproven players, and I think some of them are, are really going to develop in, in, into excellent players down the road. I will say there is one really, really good note about this first round that I've been saying it for years, and that is the death of the international player, that there is no love affair anymore for the internationals, that United States college players have really, really retaken their place in the first round, haven't they? I think so, uh, but uh, with that said, um, I, I see six or seven international seven, players wow. that will be drafted in this year's first round. Just because a lot of college players decided to go back to school, there were 15 guys in my top 45 mm-hmm. that ended up going back to school, and I think that that's really helped the stock of a lot of the internationals. I think there's some very, very young, talented international players that, uh, that are going to get drafted in the first round are going to be good NBA players. But haven't haven't teams learned their lesson? I mean, if you look around the spectrum of great players, of all-stars, I mean, Tony Parker from France, Dirk Nowitzki from Germany, and that pretty much covers it in terms of super talents. You know what I mean? Guys that are automatic as opposed to college players who make up the large majority of NBA all-stars. 
I think Ricky Rubio will join um, that 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 bunch pretty soon. I think Jonas Valanciunas had a phenomenal rookie year, and he's going to be in that group too pretty soon. But um, you know, it, it, it's cyclical, really. Um, I think that NBA teams are willing to look everywhere in the world that leave no stone unturned trying to find the good basketball players. And we have to keep in mind that the NBA isn't quite as attractive as it was to some of these guys in Europe. <laughs> Because the leagues are really good, and uh, they make a lot of money, and it's not that bad to live in, in Spain or France and Italy. So, uh, and, then, and players today aren't really jumping up and down. You know, they, it's not a you know Dario Sarch is a good example. Right. He's a guy who's in this trap right now. He could very well pull out if he's not a lottery pick. He's saying if he doesn't get a promise on top fourteen, he's pulling out. So, wow. uh, I think that there's uh, there's good players around the world, and. Um, you know, it's going to be fun to see who, who ends up getting selected. Well, that's a big change, isn't it? Because if you look at guys like um, you know, like Ricky Rubio or guys that have came before him, they almost felt like they needed to be verified by playing in the NBA. That if they didn't play in the NBA, they never could kind of get the respect that they wanted. And the NBA was the proving ground. Is that that's not the case anymore? I think that there's more of a trend these days to, for international players to become proven in their own countries first before coming over. I think a lot of European guys see what happened with Darko Milicic, with Nicolas right. Kiedis, really guys that came over when they were 18 years old and just were bust because they weren't ready to play and they didn't develop and they were traded a hundred times. And so uh, I think that that scares a lot of the European guys now. So there's no shame in being a young Valanciunas, being drafted really high, staying overseas for one more year and coming over when you're more ready to play. I'm going to miss the Frederick Weisses of the world, you know? I mean, I'm going to miss those guys who had high promise and were maybe the worst draft pick in Nick history. I mean, there's no, uh, you know, there's no certainty in the NBA draft. No. There's, there's college seniors who are bust. There's high school seniors who are bust. They're bust from every single class. So uh, I think there's a lot of value to be had on the international market. You look at guys like the like Oklahoma City drafting a Serge Ibaka at right. 22. You look at the Spurs taking Manu Ginobili at 59. Uh, there's really good players to be had all around the world. It's just a matter of getting value for where you're picking. No, that's certainly true. Now, Jonathan, so let's talk about individual players a little bit. Um, let's hit uh, Shabazz Muhammad, who, you know, look, when he came out of high school, he was a guaranteed lottery pick, no problem. Um, but he's kind of a tweener. He's kind of uh, one-handed. He's older than we thought he was. What's the deal on Muhammad and his talent? I think he's still going to go in the lottery and, and probably even in the top ten. But he... He isn't as good as we thought he was in high school because it turns out he was much older in high school. He was bigger and stronger and playing against children, and he was beating up on them, and now we kind of know why that is. But he's still a very, very talented scorer, and at 6'6", with a 6'11", wingspan, he's big enough to play on the wing in the NBA. Mm. There's no doubt about it. He needs to become a better shooter. He needs to become a better defender, and he definitely needs to learn how to pass the ball once in a while. He's actually going to be the least prolific passer in the first draft in the last 15 years wow. outside of Michael Beasley, which is not a good distinction no. to have. So, uh, you know, he's going to have to improve in a lot of areas, but he's still only 20 years old. It's not like he's over the hill. He's not 40 years old. He's got his whole career ahead of him. But, no, he's not, uh, you know, the, 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 the surefire top three, maybe number one right. pick we thought he was coming out of high school. Yeah, you know, it gets to show you that, you know, when you look at certain guys, this NBA rule of one and done 
doesn't always help. Imagine if Muhammad had wanted to come out out of high school. Look how much money he lost by having to spend a year at UCLA. That's true, and that's what David Stern was shooting for. He's, <laughs> he's looking out for his own team's best interest, and he knows that. It's really hard to decide on these 18-year-old guys who are playing against nobody putting up huge stats. It's way easier to, to get them in college for a year and see how good they really are, yep. and that's why they even prefer for the two-year rule because it's, it's not even that easy to, to see about freshmen sometimes. So uh, the more time you have to evaluate these kids, the better for the NBA teams, no doubt about it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, all right, I, I'm going to tell you, my opinion, then you tell me your opinion. I'm not seeing it with Cody Zeller. I, I like the fact that he runs the floor. I think he's soft. I think he's not very good. I think he's grossly overrated, yet a lot of teams have him between 10 and 15. What's your thought? Well, I think at 10 and 15, the expectations are you're getting a rotational NBA player. Uh, if you look at historically at that at those picks, you're not necessarily drafting a starter. But I think if you're getting a good, solid rotation guy, I think Cody Zeller can be that. He's very, very skilled, seven feet tall. He can shoot the ball from outside. He's smart. He's competitive. He knows how to pass. I think he's going to be a solid NBA player. He's not going to be a star, but it's really hard to expect that in a draft like this where, where you're drafting from 10 to 15. Is it possible where – you don't look as good in college, let's say, physically. You know what I mean? That you're not as physical. But because the NBA at times may be a different game, it suits you a little bit better, the NBA, than it would even in college? No, I think no doubt about it. And for Gody Zeller, you know, he played center in college out of necessity. I think he's going to be a power forward in the NBA, and I think he's going to have a lot more space to maneuver just because the court is bigger because of the NBA three-point line and he's going to be able to step outside and make shots. And I think that's going to help him a lot. He's going to have better guards around. He's not going to have, you know, Jordan Hulls, you know, who cannot create right. his own shot. He's going to have real guards that can pass the ball and can get the ball up in transition, can play pick and roll, and that's going to help him because he's a very athletic. He's got great touch, and he can shoot the ball. And that's hard to find that in a seven-footer, especially guys that are smart and competitive. That's true, and Zeller does bring that to the table. to be interesting to see because, you know, if you go back to the NCAA tournament and you look to his last game against Syracuse, I mean, Syracuse really, granted, they used three guys, but they really bothered Cody Zeller. But you're right. I mean, it's a good point about the fact that the court's a little bit bigger and you have a little bit more room, which certainly benefits Zeller because he has a post-up and a face-up game as opposed to just one one part of his game. Give me your thoughts on Kelly Olenek, the kid from uh, Gonzaga. Uh, he had a very nice NCAA tournament, not a lot of people saw a lot of him because, you know, they're a West Coast Conference team. Uh, give me your thoughts on Olenek. He's intriguing because he's a late bloomer. He's a kid that wasn't really good enough to play at Gonzaga a year ago. He was still growing into his frame. He's added about 30 pounds of weight, and he just really went from becoming a boy to a man over the last year. And he's one of the most skilled guys you'll find. He's seven feet tall, but he handles the ball like a guard. He can shoot from outside. He's got a post game. He can he can dribble. He can pass. He can really do everything for a seven-footer. Now, he's not the most uh, tough guy in the world. He's not a great rebounder. He has a very short wingspan. His, uh, his, his wingspan is two inches shorter than his height, which is wow. very rare for yeah. a big man. It's going to hurt him defensively and as a rebounder. But you don't find guys who are, who are that skilled every day. So I think he's got a spot in the NBA. Probably not going to be a star, but he's, he's going to be a nice piece for someone. 
This is a unique draft, Jonathan, in that we actually have two point guards who are legitimate point guards, because I don't include uh, Burke in that category. He's more of a scorer than he is distributor. But we actually have two real point guards, Shane Larkin in this draft, right, Uh, in terms of, you know, distributing and giving things up. Uh, And we've got others, too. I mean, and Michael Carter-Williams. So, you know, the point guard may be returning to the NBA. I think the point guard class in the NBA is, I think, is stacked, and I think Trey Burke is going to add to that. I actually think he's a very, very good passer. Um, and I think Kelsey is a great scorer, and that's what you look for in today's NBA from from a point guard. Um, it's not really the 80s anymore where you can just kind of move the ball right. left and right. Uh, NBA coaches need need guys who can score. Uh, you look at how Mike Conley I was just thinking the same thing, year. right? Yeah, so I, I I I really like Trey Burke. Um, I think the jury is still out a little bit on Carter Williams. Um, Shane Larkin is really intriguing, even though he's very very small. He he has very short arms, but he can shoot the ball. He's a great athlete. And he's terrific in the pick and roll, and 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 you, it's really hard to find that in today's NBA. So I think that um, I, I think that uh, there's there's some really good guards in this class, and I think you can throw Dennis Schroeder in. He's mm-hmm. a German point guard. He actually tore apart the Nike Hoop Summit. I went up against some of the best high school players we have and make them look silly. So I think that there's um, there's a couple of intriguing point guards um, to be had. I think you can throw C.J. McCollum in that mix, too, if you're looking for more of like a Steph Curry-type yep. point guard guy who can really shoot the ball. So uh, there, there there's a couple of guys. I think especially Burke and McCollum are going to end up being um, a lot better than where they're drafted. Yeah, you're probably right on that. Two guys that really I like a lot, uh, lower in the draft in terms of the first round, Tony Mitchell, who I think is a pretty good physical specimen, is a young kid at North Texas, uh, and included in that group uh, is Pope, who I think you know had a really good year at Georgia. Yeah, Tony Mitchell is a guy that – on talent, is a top ten pick. Um, he's six nine. He's a freakish, freakish athlete. Yeah. He's got a seven two wingspan, and he can shoot the ball from outside a little bit. He can put the ball on the floor. The problem with him is that he doesn't really have a motor. He doesn't really right. play hard. He played in the small uh, school at North Texas in the Sun Belt Conference. Didn't dominate at all, and uh, and didn't win. They finished, I think, ninth in the Sun Belt, yes. which is a it's a major red flag for a guy playing that level, but. Uh, his talent is off the charts. Question is, is he going to bring it every night? Uh, and some guys do once they they reach the NBA and they're and and they're being paid to play. And some guys just kind of get that rookie contract and and end up fading out into the sunrise. So uh, it, it's hard to tell what's going to happen with him. Now, in, tame, in terms of Caldwell Pope, I thought he had a great year at Georgia. I thought, you know, certainly early on when they were playing well, he was playing well. I mean, I think he had to take too many shots because he didn't have anybody else on that team that really was a scorer. But I think he's got that scorer's mentality that will work in the NBA. Yeah, he's going to be better because he's going to have better players yeah. around him. He's uh, he's a very, very talented kid. Like you said, he's 6'6". He can really shoot the ball. And he was extremely efficient this year despite the fact that he played with no one and they lost – uh, all the time in the SEC, and I, I think that he's going to be uh, he's going to be much better in, in the NBA with a better spacing, and he can already make NBA three pointers, and he's just a very skilled kid. And he also 
He also likes to play defense, which is going to help him. So he's not going to be a star because he's not a great ball handler. He's not a great athlete. But uh, if you can shoot the ball, you can play in today's NBA. Yes, let's hope he doesn't get drafted by the Kings or the Hornets because then losing uh, would be contagious for him. It will be just like college uh, for him. The folks at Draft Express, they do a great job when it comes to the NBA draft. So before the NBA draft, which is coming up in June, make sure you check it out and see all of the mock drafts and all of the rankings and all the interviews from the Combine in uh, Chicago. All of that coming up, and I'm sure we will check in again uh, with Jonathan uh, Gavoni. Jonathan, I appreciate it as always. Stay well, and uh, we'll, hopefully we'll talk right before the draft. Sounds great. Thanks for having me.